0: question, does the Bible contradict itself? If it does, then it can't be God's Word. And if it is God's Word, then it it does not contradict itself. However, there may be times where, at least on the surface, it may look as if Scripture is contradicting ourselves. Are we justified are we declared righteous by faith alone, or are we justified by faith plus works? And this was a key question that was part of the, the Reformation that happened 500 years ago. We spent some time going through a series on the five solas of the Reformation, and one of those was sola fide, that we're saved. Uh, we receive this salvation through faith alone, through trusting in Jesus Christ alone. However, after the time of the Reformation, because this wasn't what other uh, parts of the the medieval church were teaching, uh, the Roman Catholic Church had a conference that a council that was in response to the Reformation, it was called the Council of Trent, and in that, one of the statements that they wrote to kind of solidify their belief This is a Council of Trent Canon 9. They replied and said, If anyone says that the sinner is justified by faith alone, meaning that nothing else is required to cooperate in order to obtain the grace of justification, and that it is not in any way necessary that he be prepared and disposed by the action of his own will, let him be anathema. Let him be cursed. Let him be cut off. So their specific view is we, aren't, we are not saved by faith alone. That works are part of what uh, how we receive uh, the salvation that, that God gives us. That it's, it's faith, but it's also works. And there's scripture that they could point to as well. And this is where it may look that there could be some uh, contradictions. And that's why when we did the message on grace alone, I thought, we need to come back and talk about it. Because I don't want you to think that I'm just giving you part of the story and we're just glossing over stuff that doesn't fit uh, our our views. But we do believe that God is the author of all Scripture. And so we have to say, is there a way that this can be put together and really make sense and gives us the total picture? Because on one hand, Romans 3.28, which we've looked at, says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And it's one of several verses that we believe teaches this principle that we receive justification through faith alone. It's apart from the works of the law. There's other verses that we could look at as well. And if you go back, you can uh, watch or listen to that message on uh, faith alone and hear those teachings again if if you want to find that online. So, on one hand, we believe this. Remember, justification, we said, means declared righteous. Think of a judge with a gavel. I declare you righteous. But, if someone had the Roman Catholic view, they might point you to James 2.24 and say, look at this. This actually uses even the phrase, faith alone. And it says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by works. Faith alone, and if this is all you knew about it, and if you just had these verses, wow, that sure looks like this is a contradiction. So that's what we're going to be talking about. What is what is the full biblical picture on this? That uh, what is the role of faith? Are we saved by faith alone? Is that how we receive it? I'm going to argue that yes, we are. What then is the role of works? And what do some of these passages mean? And we're going to do the best that we can in the time we have to give you a foundation for this and at least a way that you can keep reading and then thinking about this to put it together in a way that doesn't contradict each other but makes sense and also teaches us that, yeah, there is an important role for works in our life. It isn't just that God saves us and we have our get out of hell free card and go do whatever you want and uh, don't worry about living for Christ. Don't worry about having a changed life. No, there's things that God is saving us for. And we'll see that what the Reformers, what they really taught was that we are saved by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. And we'll try to understand what they meant by that. And that really, this is, I believe, what the Bible is really teaching. That we are saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. So, our first point, and I'm going to try and get through these first two points as quickly as we can so we can spend our most of our time in the last point, but this is important that we make these things clear, is that we are not saved by good works. When we talk about good works, we mean doing good things. We mean things in our, in our heart that we have good uh, desires, we have good motivations. Just anything that we think of that is, that is good, anything that we do, anything that we think, anything that we contribute, that this is not how... God saves us. Is salvation a gift that is brought to good boys and girls? You know, it's Christmas is coming up in about a week. Does God give salvation depending if you are naughty or nice? Is he making a list? Checking it twice? It all depends if you're naughty or nice. And he saves the nice people and the naughty people, they, they don't get saved. I mean, that's the common view that the world has, that if you're a good person, God saves you. If you're bad, uh, then, then you don't. And you see that even, you know, some of those, the secular Christmas uh, songs, the ones that, that aren't about Jesus. Uh, but that is against what Scripture uh, teaches. You know, think about Christmas. I want to share this with you. My favorite Christmas verse is one that I really don't see on Christmas cards too much. But I love this one. This is, this is a great Christmas verse. This is First 1 Timothy 1.15. I mean, look at this. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus came into the world to save really good people. Oh, I, I read that wrong. This, the screen I'm looking at is kind of small. Uh, God came into the world to save people that try their best. No, that's not. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I love that verse. I really think it really is about Christmas. You think, why did Jesus Christ come into this world? Why do we have Christmas? It's about Jesus. It's about coming in, him coming into the world. And this verse tells us why he came in, to save sinners. And that's part of this news is that that's us, uh, that you're, your pastor is a sinner, that you are sinners. We, we have sinned against God. We needed a Savior that was going to come and save not the good people of the world, because there aren't any, not that people are trying real hard, because without Christ, we're not even trying real hard. He, we're, he came to save sinners. And this was the Apostle Paul saying that he held that he was the, the foremost of all sinners. He recognized that his sin went all the way down to the depths of his heart. You know, and when you realize that, that's when you realize that salvation has to be by grace. It's not something that is earned. It has to be freely given by God as a free gift. That Jesus paid it all on the cross. He paid the bill in full. And we get it just by accepting, by believing, by trusting him. And that's what genuine saving faith is. That we're grieved of our sin. We turn to Jesus for salvation from our sin. And we not only know that he's a savior, we not only agree with that, but we put our personal trust in him as well. So verses we could look at. He won Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, maybe it's faith and works. Well, Paul says, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So you cannot boast about your salvation, Christian. You cannot pat yourself on the back. You cannot be arrogant and think that somehow you are... Just a notch better than someone else, and that's why God decided to save you. It's not because of that. It's because of his grace and love and mercy. And the whole package of thing is by his grace and through faith, not the result of We already looked at Romans three twenty eight. Justified by faith apart from works of the law. Galatians two sixteen Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. There's an illustration that, actually, it's attributed to Martin Luther. I don't know if he actually said it, but it's this illustration of how salvation works and, you know, with the snow coming down, it's an it's a apt illustration. But he talks about uh, believers being like a, uh, a snow-covered dunghill. Kind of a gross illustration, but, you know, he's in the Middle Ages, and you have peasants and farmers, and this would have been something they would have been very accustomed to. So at the farm, they, you, have your, you have the dunghill. And he said, this dunghill, you know, it doesn't smell good. It's offensive. It's, it's nasty. It's odorous. All of this. And he said, because of our sin, this is, this is us, you know, down to the core. And uh, I know a lot of people think that they're, they're made of gold, uh, but that's because we have oftentimes a wrong view of ourselves. We're not measuring ourselves against God's standards. When we do that, we realize, yeah, we, we're, we're pretty bad. I really, that's, that's who I am. And how is God going to deal with this? if he wants to save us and this is what we're like, is he going to say, well, we'll just, we'll just take the dunghill right into heaven and uh, stink up the place? Well, no one would think that. But what a lot of people thought in the Middle Ages, and some still do, that, well, the way that God deals with this is <clears throat> he changes you know, the, this dunghill into a, a pile of gold. And then once he, you know, maybe he graciously changes it into a pile of gold, but now it's a pile of gold, and now he can say, now you're accepted, because now you're this wonderful pile of gold instead of this pile of dung. But what Luther said is that the way that the scriptures actually present this is if you have this, uh, this dunghill, and then there's this uh, huge snow that comes down the first the first snow of the year and there's just a thick blanket of snow over everything and so this thick blanket of snow just it covers this hill so you no longer smell the odor you no longer see it it's it's just covered now underneath at least at the moment it's still this is still the dung hill but it but it's covered in something else and in the same way when we trust Jesus Christ as savior It's not as if we're that God doesn't we're changed to go now I accept you but instead we're clothed, we're blanketed in the righteousness of Christ. We're covered in a righteousness that is not our own, but it's from Him. And therefore when God looks at us, He doesn't see the, the filth, He sees Christ's righteousness. But at the same time, we're righteous because of Christ, but we're still sinners. I think that's a really helpful metaphor. So it's the instant that we're blanketed in the righteousness of Christ, we're accepted by God. Salvation is secure. We don't have to wait to be changed into a pile, into a pile of gold first. It's not as if, well, I'll save you, but we'll start changing you into gold, and by the time, okay, now, okay, you're halfway there, I'm almost accepted you, 90% almost accepted you, Okay, now you're gold, now I accept you. No, he accepts us right from the beginning. But here's the other, even more of it, and this is what we're talking about today too, is that the instant that we are covered in the righteousness of Christ, there's something else that starts to happen at that exact moment too. That God is at work in us, in our heart, in the innermost part of your being. And at that moment, he has started transforming you from the inside out as well. So you're accepted because of Christ's righteousness. You will always be accepted only and always because of Christ's righteousness that blankets you. But God also starts this work through the Holy Spirit of transforming you. He is working on turning you into a pile of gold instead. This is something that never finishes in this life. So I am very thankful that God accepts us at the moment that we are blanketed in Christ's righteousness. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to be, have a, any assurance of salvation in this life because, well, I don't know about you, but I know that I still have sin in my life. I still have motives. I still have things that God is working on. I am not finished yet. Actually, I do know about you because Scripture tells me about you. And I know that even if you are a Christian, God is not done with you yet, and there's still sin in your heart that he's working on. But I also know that if you are a real genuine Christian, God is transforming you from the inside out. Amen. Yeah. So that's the first thing we need to get clear. We are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. We read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But you know, it goes on. Sometimes we focus on Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Verse 10, literally the next verse, says, goes on to say, for we are his workmanship, so God is the one that's in work. We are his, uh, his masterpiece. He is working in and through us, created in Christ Jesus, it's all because of Christ, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the, 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 the whole picture here. We're not saved by good works, but if you are saved, you are saved for good works. It is not something that God just says, this is, Uh, take it or leave it. This is part of God's destiny for you. This is part of why God did save you. Not to contribute to your own salvation ever, never to pay him back, but he wants to make a difference in and through your life. He wants other people to be helped. He wants glory brought to him, which is the best thing for everyone, through your life. He wants you having a changed heart and a changed life so you're serving other people. So you're putting God first so that our hearts are changed so that we start loving the things of God. So that we start despising our sin and turning away from things that don't please him. All of these different things making a difference. I mean, do you realize it's Christians that are the ones that have, uh, if you look back in church history, that have built the most hospitals, founded the most orphanages, all of these different things. In the early church, they were... uh, slandering different Christians, uh, but even some of the emperors that were against the Christians, they said, we can't deny the good works that they're doing. They're taking care of not only their own, they're taking care of the, uh, the unbelievers as well. They're showing all this love. and It's kind of hard to keep slandering someone when everyone can see these are people that they are they're full of love and they're helping other people. And this is part of what God has created you for, not so you can be just saved and you got your ticket and now go on and live your selfish life. God wants to work through you. This is part of your destiny, Christians. These making a difference through your life. You were saved for good works. Be thinking about what are these good works that God is calling you to And if you're reading your Scriptures, if you just start reading in the New Testament, you're going to see what some of these things are that God is directing you towards. You'll be in prayer. Have your eyes open to the needs that are around you. Caring for other people, especially those with deep, genuine needs and hurts. Evangelism. Helping other people to become Christians. Helping each other to grow as Christians. He calls it to bear each other's burdens both physically, emotionally, in, in prayer, in practical service to each other. Supporting the ministries of the church as we work together to make a difference in this world. Uh, supporting that through, through serving, being involved, volunteering, through prayer, through our giving, our, our financial giving, uh, giving to missions, personal devotion to God, being a good witness to your community. Living as a Christian, so people see this. They see that you're someone that God is working in their life and, and, and changing you, making you different from what you were, showing genuine love, worshiping God. Colossians 1.10 So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God. So God has not saved us because of our good works. God has saved us for good works, but here's another question. Maybe God saved us for good works, but are good works still basically optional? You know, we're supposed to do good works, but if we don't, well, it's still okay because that's not how we're saved. So if, if you do, it, it's great, it's better, but if you don't, well, that's, that's still okay. Well, that's where we have to look at other things that Scripture is telling us as well and figure out how this works. And how we will summarize this for the last point is that genuine faith will be evidenced by good works. So genuine faith, real faith, the real faith that actually accompanies salvation, not surface faith, not a dead faith, we'll see, but real faith will be evidenced by good works. It'll be the evidence that shows that this is real. And here's where we want to turn to the book of James and if we were able to do this in a series, we'd be able to pick this apart even more. But I want you to be exposed to this because this is one of those passages people have questions about. And I want to at least give you enough to realize, okay, how we can put this together and fit this together with everything else that the Bible teaches. So this is, this is a great passage. This is James chapter 2. Let's read starting with verse 14. And if if you have scripture or have it in front of you, this this would be good to have open in front of you. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Well, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And this is scripture too. Because this is also God's word, we have to believe this. And we have to try and think, well, how can we put these things together in a way that makes sense and does justice to everything that God is trying to teach us? I think one of the key things that will help us with this is to realize, well, the passages in Ephesians and in Romans that we looked at, that was written by Paul. And James was written by James, two different people. I believe they do not contradict each other, but... They are two different people, and sometimes, do you ever notice people sometimes use the same words in slightly different ways? Let me ask you this. If I were to say, I wanted to invite you over to my house for dinner, what time would you show up? Would you assume well, at dinner that's the noon meal, or is that the evening meal? There are some people that would use it in different ways. Uh, growing up, uh, when my mom would say something about dinner, I always have to ask, do you mean dinner lunch or do you mean dinner supper? Because her mom, my, my grandma Laux, uh for her, dinner was lunch and supper was supper. So you had you had breakfast, dinner, and supper. And on the other side of the family, when they said dinner, well, that's supper. So you'd have to say, well, was it dinner lunch or dinner supper? And I think that's kind of what's going on here. That's when, when Paul and James are talking about saying faith and even talking about justification. They're meaning it in slightly different ways. And if you figure out, okay, what do they mean, then it does match up, but they might be using their words, uh, talking about something that's slightly uh, different. Okay, so basically the way to explain this, if we're going to put it in a nutshell, is that Paul and James, they don't contradict. Paul says that we are saved through faith, but he's talking about a living faith, a real faith, genuine faith. And what James, in the passage we just read, what he's saying is that we're not saved by dead faith. That there's such a thing as a, a surface-y faith, a name-only type of faith. You know, some kind of you know, temporary, not real, doesn't get to the core. You know, it just impacts on the surface. It doesn't go all the way down to the core and change us. And that type of faith doesn't result in a changed life. And that also is not the type of faith that, that saves. But if you have saving faith, it is going to change you. And that's what both Paul and James, they would agree on. Put in a little little chart for you here. So Paul, when he talks about faith, he's talking about real saving faith, real genuine faith. Uh, savingly trusting in Christ alone. And that is the faith that saves. And that's the faith that saves alone. And part of that is we're, we stop depending on our works. We depend on just him. Whereas James, he's talking about this empty faith, this dead faith. It may, it may look like faith, but it's, it's not the same thing. You know, if you have a pet, I'll, I'll talk about a goldfish. That'd be less sad than something else. You know, you can have a goldfish that dies and maybe before a little goldfish was swimming around and he was real happy, and uh, then what happens to goldfish? You know, he's floating up. But, you know, if you took that goldfish on the surface, he would look the same, at least, you know, for a while. Uh, you know, he would if you weighed him, he would weigh the same. There'd be a lot that would be the same, but something's missing. This goldfish doesn't have life. And so you could have this kind of outer form of faith, but if it doesn't have the real, the, the life element to it, it's not active. That's not the type of faith that actually saves. The type of faith that, that God works in us when we're, when we're saved is a living faith. It's not dead goldfish faith. I think, too, even when they talk about justification, it can be a little bit of a difference. I think in both cases, it still works to think of justification being declared righteous. But Paul Notice he specifically he's always talking about being declared righteous in God's eyes before God. Galatians three one talks about before God. Romans three twenty in His sight God is the one that we're being declared before. Whereas James, if you have time to read this passage again, you know he's concerned. How do other people see that you're saved? How are you declared or, or demonstrated to be righteous before other people? How do they know that you're saved? And what he's saying is that if it's real faith, it's going to be demonstrated by works. It's going to be demonstrated by this changed life that accompanies real salvation. And you see clues from that in James as well. If you look at this, uh, both about faith and justification. Um, you know, when as far as faith, you know, it says, "Can that faith save him?" I'm talking about a different kind of faith. But then when it talks about justification. Notice apart part in verse 18, show me your faith apart from works. I will show you my faith by my works. So much of this is about how do other people see that you are saved? Now God, he can see to your heart. He knows what's in your heart. But as far as other people, they, they can't see inside. But if it is real salvation, it's going to produce effects that come out So good works are not the cause of salvation. Good works are the effects or the evidence of salvation. Let me give you an illustration. Think of fire and think of smoke. Okay? So faith is like fire and good works are like the smoke. Okay? Cause and effect. So the, the fire, when you have genuine saving faith, if it's real... It's going to cause actual. It's going to cause smoke. There's, that's going to be there. I mean, you could have a fake fire. You know, we've seen plays and stuff where they have the little fake fire with the little, you know, wind and the little claws and the light. You know, I guess you could have a fake smoke machine with fake smoke. Some people may have fake works too. Um, but if it's a real fire, there's going to be there's going to be real smoke. So the smoke is produced by it, and that's you know, the same. Where there's smoke, there's fire. It's kind of like if you went out and you saw a bunch of Indian teepees (laughs) and you saw that there was, you can't see inside to see if they have a little fire going inside the teepee. But the ones that you see smoke coming out from the top, then you know that, well, they got a little fire going in there. And the ones that you don't see smoke, well, you don't know. No evidence of that. Let me ask, when people look at your life, do they see evidence of what's going on inside? Do they see evidence that God has, has this flame of faith burning in your heart. Is, is, are you billowing out good works? You're never saved by them, but they're evidence that the salvation that you have received is real. You have the baby Jesus on stage here. I joked about uh, baby Jesus crying. And we know this baby Jesus is not going to cry because, not because the song says, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. You know, the real baby Jesus, I'm sure he cried because that's what babies do. This one is not going to cry because this one, this is not a real baby. I, I'm sorry sure if I'm giving away the illusion for tonight. And we wouldn't expect it to, okay? But a real baby, and Jesus was, he, he really cried. It's evidence of life. Crying is evidence of life. Good works are evidence of real life for Christians. That something is going on in your heart, that God has worked that in our heart. We said we're saved by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. The good works will accompany it if it is real. But let me ask this. Because some of, I, I've, I used to struggle with this. Here's a question. If every real Christian produces good works doesn't that mean that we have added works to faith to save us? I mean, that used to bother me. That say, well, if, if you have to have good works, even as evidence, well, if you never have these good works, it shows that you were never really a Christian. It kind of seemed to me like, well, we're still adding good works because that's something else you have to do. I will say the answer to that is, is no. No. It's not adding works to faith. I'll give three reasons. No, because we're saved at the instant that we trust Christ with genuine faith. Okay, God might start, when we're saved, he starts changing the pile of dung into a pile of gold. But you're saved, you have assurance of salvation. The the instant that you receive Christ as your Savior and that the blanket of snow covers you, okay, that you're covered with his righteousness, you are accepted then, It's not that God waits until later until you've been transformed. And if it was that way, none of us could have assurance in this life because we still struggle with sin. Another reason, no, because our salvation is always based on Christ's work, not on our good works. So even when you get to glory and God finishes his work transforming you, he finishes getting rid of all the sin in your life, all the unpure motives, all the, the, the lust and bitterness and all that. He filters that all out. And praise God, that's, that's what we get to look forward to. But even then, when he has transformed you into his image, into this you know, pile of, uh, of gold, you're transformed into the image of Christ, you're still not saved because of that. You're still saved because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. His perfect life, his death for you. And That's how you're always saved. And, finally, it isn't adding works to salvation because God is the one that produces the fruit. God is the one that produces the fruit that shows that the faith is real. It's not something that, well, maybe we'll do it, maybe we don't. And it's just another thing that we have to do. It's God working in and through us. Philippians 2, 12-13 Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Notice he does not say work for your salvation. He says, work out your salvation. Our salvation should have effects that we're working out. We're not working for it. And then he explains, he says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it's not adding works to salvation. A caution, this can look different in different people. Scripture, and we haven't had a chance to look at all of them. There's some more scripture in your in your notes. I encourage you to look up you shall know them by their fruits. That is true. God knows the heart, but all we can look at is at the fruit. You know, the, the smoke coming out of the teepee. we can't see inside the teepee inside the into the heart. But we have to realize that the, the fruit can look different in different people. You know, sometimes when someone's saved, God starts that work transforming them from the inside out. But sometimes it takes a little while for a, for a lot of it to start coming to the surface. And even then, you might be looking at one part of somebody's life and be wondering, well, God's not doing anything here, but maybe God's doing huge stuff in a different area. So we just need to realize that as well. Another great thing is if you if once you realize this, we're saved for good works, never by them. This frees us up to serve God out of pure motives. You can actually serve God in a way that you're not just a mercenary trying to you gotta work hard to get your salvation or to keep your salvation. Your salvation is is secure. And therefore, you're just responding out of love and gratitude to God. And part of being a Christian is is realizing what he has done, having our eyes open to his beauty, and we want to do this. And the beauty of this gospel message, he gets all the glory, and we also get to serve him out of pure motives. If we were earning our salvation, we couldn't. Our good works are supposed to be evidence of our real Christianity. If you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you look at your heart and your life and you see there's nothing, maybe you've said a prayer when you're young or something and just nothing's happening. Maybe you went through the motions and maybe the best thing I can tell you is you need to examine your heart. Maybe you never actually came to Christ for real. And maybe you have a false sense of security. But you can trust Christ now. Come to him in who he is. This Jesus Christ that is, is the Savior and Lord and the highest treasure. And you can turn from your works and trust in him and have your salvation given to you and the beginning of your changed heart. God demonstrated his love for us. Our works demonstrate our love for him. He demonstrated his love for us. That's what Christmas is all about, that God sent his son into this world. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a message, if we believe it, that will change your heart. Let's pray. Lord, we give you praise. We give you thanks. We thank you for the beauty and the genius of the salvation message that you came up with. We could have not come up with a message like this. That fits our exact real needs. But that gives you all of the glory. And so, Lord God, help us to think about this clearly and to have our hearts filled and changed in such a way that you receive all the glory for our salvation. And that through this, the changed heart in your work and the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives, that we are being changed. And that we are living this out in good works that, that are the effect of our salvation and that give evidence that this is real. Thank you that you are God that saves. We thank you that you sent your Son into the world. You have demonstrated your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.